0: back to jokerman the podcast about bob dylan's middle c- career middle life middle age and the music that defines us. <laughs> um anyway i'm i'm evan that's ian and you're ian hey
1: guys <laughs> um so yeah i've been listening to saved all day uh just live stuff and um because i realized i no longer have the record, and um, and that when you asked me to do this, I was like, "Oh, let's do Save. because I I got it confused with Slow Train Coming.
0: Oh my god, you, know, <laughs> and, you uh, won't believe this, but our last guest thought he was going to be on for Saved, and we got confused, and he was on for Slow Train Coming. Um, oh, wow, that was cool. Sam Sam France of Foxygen, Um was the opposite mix-up happened kind of.
1: But Slow Train Coming is more kind of like, I, I feel like it's better known, you know, it's got to serve somebody and blah, blah, blah. But Save is so, I've forgotten how good it is. It's great. And there's like all these live versions, you know, on YouTube that are incredible.
0: I was with, watching uh, some of those today, actually. They're, I was, yeah, yeah, the um, pressing on and uh, and What's the other one with the? Be- there's one with the beautiful harmonica solo. Uh, what can I do for you? Yeah.
1: Oh, I just listened to that. Yeah, and then there's a sermon too, where he talks about Afghanistan and prophecy and everything. And uh, you know, because I've been thinking about this whole, you know, because it's a big conundrum, Dylan's Christian period, and you know, it makes sense when you think about his fixation with Little Richard and you know that in in his yearbook he's like i want to join little richard and of course little richard's kind of game that he played with rock and rollers you know was you know it was this you know constant push pull am i going to give them rock and roll or am i going to give them gospel and uh you know there's that famous thing of little richard on tour with sam cook in england at the height of the rock and roll craze in you know in england and it was always an open question: Is Little Richard going to play his hits, or is he just going to go gospel?
0: Wow, it's like a whole parallel mm-hmm. history of like the Dylan r- religious moment. Yeah, but with a Dylan's here slight twist. It, yeah,
2: I was just reading the New York Times interview that he did earlier this year for Rough and Rowdy Ways, and he was talking about Little Richard in there because that was right, right around the time Little Richard had died. I, I guess I I never realized like how. Um, uh, essential to Bob, a uh, figure like he was uh, obviously like Seeger or Woody Guthrie or something. Those are all mythologized as like his his idols, his direct progenitors. But someone like Little Richard isn't isn't often mentioned when we're thinking of like you know Bob's uh, the people that that directly informed what Bob ended up doing.
1: Well, he, well, you know it's it's interesting because you know Bob's moment. You know Bob is a, a very canny or Bobby. I think Bobby is what he prefers.
2: <laughs>
0: Does he prefer he says Bobby? He
1: Well, he says, I'm not a Bob. I'm a Bob Dylan or, you know, it's Bobby. Well, we've been fucking up. Yeah. Well, I think it's fine for, you know, the the layman. But, you know, I think if you, you know, were hanging out with him, he wouldn't really
0: want to be called Bob. Noted.
1: Because Which I understand because it's like Bob Dylan. That works.
0: We usually say Bob Dylan, I think, actually. Yeah,
1: Bob, Bobby, Bobby. Anyway, I guess, you know, he's a very astute kind of, uh, you know, pro profit you know and he's always a few steps ahead of the game so when he entered music you know he had been a rock and roller obsessed with you know kind of you know Bobby V or you know Little Richard and these people like that and then uh, you know but then when he enters the rock and roll milieu it's been subsumed by folk you know or folk folk music had really come you know it had taken over and that's sort of that that was sort of your that was sort of your avenue to being, uh, to being, you know, you know, it was a middle-class kind of answer to rock and roll. And, uh, uh, but it's interesting because in a sense, you know, the you know Dylan betraying folk, that was very canny, a canny prophetic move. And then Dylan going religious is also a canny prophetic move because it it's right before Reagan and the kind of evangelical Christian revival in America. Right,
0: right. And I, I thought it was really, this was something I was thinking about when we talked about Saved. I mean, when we talked about Slow Train, and then I was reading about them in the same t- uh, around the same time. And there's such a stark difference, though, in how both those were received. Like Saved was basically as much of Christian Dylan, as anybody was willing to take that he had worn out that welcome, like critically, like as much as people were into slow train saved was like, uh, basically like uh, we've had enough. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's interesting that he it, it had it come out maybe a couple years after that in the midst of like the Reagan era, maybe people would have received it a little warmly. I don't know why, 1980 maybe was like a year where people were just kind of fed up with the the religious Bob.
1: But also that could just be critical reception because as we all know, you know, the things that actually sell and the things that actually, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but.
0: The numbers know, are pretty bad for saved relatives. Oh, really? Slow train. Yeah. It's, it's funny that way. Um, oh, that's interesting. And I, I again, you're just talking about how great of a record it is um, in a lot of ways. And like, I, I'm kind of confused when I see people talk about Slow Train and Saved as being like in two totally different classes. Like, I think they're both pretty good records. Like, yeah, love. absolutely.
1: And 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 they're really not that much of a departure from Dylan. You know, Dylan because he's always been kind of religious, and there's always this kind of you know. Uh, you know the there's the long form storytelling and all the kind of revelations type imagery and you know and the kind of obscurantism and you know it's a, a, a like how how different how different is it you know it's really not that different and that's one of that's the genius of Bob Dylan is that he can he's sort of like plays with these you know thing oh like you know he goes from folk to rock but it's really well it's it's sort of you know. The same you know the music doesn't actually have to change it's more his pronouncement and and it's all within the same thing of like this the, the paradox in rock, which is like sinful music you know versus you know salvation sal, you know sin versus salvation or whatever and, you know not to be corny, but you know that, that you know if you really think about rock and roll, the origins of rock and roll are more like the gospel black gospel music than they are like the blues you know if like all the you know, more songs are kind of taken from the sacred sacred tradition i think than than blues yeah stuff. i don't know that's the different.
0: sacred and the profane doing a exactly. an yeah, eternal that's... dance um exactly. if, if you don't mind i'd like to just do a quick little introduction for for you uh, to oh, yeah. welcome you on um oh, thanks So, uh, I've prepared a statement. Uh, Oh, cool. Today on Joker Night, we're honored to be joined by a very special guest. He is the mastermind of some of the most vital, inventive, and righteous rock music groups of the late 20th century and present. Legendary groups such as Nation of Ulysses, Weird War, The Makeup, Chain and the Gang, Escape Ism, and many more. He is also the author of some of the finest books on the rock and roll phenomenon ever penned. Today, it is fashionable to say that every artwork is a political act, but very few can walk the walk, and even fewer are able to make good music at the same time. For my money, nobody does it like today's guest, Mr. Ian F. Svanonez.
1: Wow, thank you. very. that's, That's like the best introduction I've ever had. Thank you very much. That was pretty good. Well, I'm honored to be here, and uh, I think this is a—it's a, just a great. I—I th- I feel like this, uh, this interview show, this chat show, could really—it's got great potential, great legs. I feel like that this is a this is something everybody would want to be a guest on. <laughs> so I feel very honored to be one of the the early. You know, I get—I I'm psyched to break ground.
2: You'll be able Pretty to nice. say you did it before it was cool.
1: Yeah, I did it before, you know. I think it's Jim cool. Or- exactly.
0: <laughs> now, now it's now it's cool. But before I did the introduction, you and you just said that it wasn't it wasn't cool yet. Right, now it's going <laughs> to be really cool.
1: Well, I've got some uh, other ideas for guests who oh, are yeah? even more qualified than me, and uh, so but we'll we'll save that for later.
0: So that that's very exciting. But for from us to you, from Joker Men, the Jokerman family. Um, the Jokerman <laughs> Podcasting family, uh, we we are pleased and very honored to have you join us today, Ian Svenonius. Um, awesome, well, thank you. And I could so do a you, whole Nardwar thing right now because I've got like, I've got your this book. I've got a uh, Nation of Ulysses vinyl LP over there. Oh, nice. You know, I've got. Well, it's,
1: it's funny because Nardwar is you know I did an interview show too, and I and soft yeah, focus yeah exactly <laughs> that yeah, was me but, being but, an Ardwar. I oh mean, but uh but uh but you know i'm always in, in like when he does an interview he has a lot of artifacts and i think that's really an interesting tactic because when you take an artifact and you show it to somebody like let's say you were interviewing bob dylan and you had some sort of artifact or arcana ephemera that you could show him and it would probably invoke a or evoke it would evoke a reaction that you wouldn't get from just asking the question because when you ask a question and it's an abstraction then people kind of go into their autopilot or their kind of political mode of answering the question as per the way that they answer it you know but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting you know Nardwar always gives you know the, he shows people things and i can I, re- I really think it's a it's a clever strategy for evoking a kind of More genuine response, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like confronting people with some physical result of their of their past or of their history. It's like, yeah, yeah. Kind of a almost a Michael Moore esque approach of like, you know, showing (laughs) them.
1: The problem with him is that you know once you stop talking to the underground artists, then you're talking to the people. You know, I feel I think that he kind of went. You know, he kind of went. You know, big time and then he's kind of talking to these people who don't really maybe have any sort of you know i mean i don't want to say that these you know pop stars are vacuous but you know some some of them seem a little vacuous you know but, I mean?
0: well there's that and there's also i guess just the unavoidable reality that fewer of them have these physical uh objects associated with their careers now that most yeah. everything is digital although I, I suppose in you know 15 years he'll go go up to Travis Scott with like all of the hundred different merch things they made with McDonald's and yeah yeah he'll, <laughs> yes. he'll, he'll go through all of them it'll be a four hour long uh, nardwar interview so
1: back to back to um, the record saved one right. thing uh, that was interesting was um, that somebody was telling me that this Christian period actually cost, you know, Bob alienated a lot of his old audience. um, And that it wasn't until he got back with, you know, got started collaborating with the grateful dead that he was Mm -hmm. able to kind of dig himself out of this sort of dungeon, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, Christian ghetto that he'd kind of assigned himself to. Right. And, um, but that's interesting to me because I always felt like it was the most canny thing about Bob Dylan is that he always disappoints, you know, that his kind of strategy, his strategy is always to disappoint expectation. And it's incredible how many times he's been able to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, he starts as this kind of, you know, say, like kind of great white hope for the folk movement. And when he sort of turns his back on, their expectations of him, it's almost like he got addicted to the sort of, to that perversity. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and, you know, so then he goes country, and then he goes, you know, then he goes Jewish, and then he you know, goes Christian, <laughs> and then he did the Victoria's Secret ad. There's, like, there's so many permutations to his, like, you know, his, like, there's so many kind of, like, like curveballs yeah. that he's throwing at people. And it's, it's really... I mean he's just an incredible mar- marketing manager. You know because it's it's just endless, you know. It's I, endless.
0: Although I the one thing is I don't know that any of his managers or uh, PR team ever fully understood this because they could have spun that into gold so that it worked every time. Like Bob's coming back and you don't even know what's what's going to happen yeah. now. They, they still operated under this expectation that whatever he did was going to like please somebody, some, most of the audience, but yeah, yeah. like Dylan going electric. It's like, I, I think Sam France said this on, on the last podcast. He said something about it being like, like cr- Dylan going Christian is just another time Dylan went electric and it's like yeah. Dylan's gone electric a million times, but the, the time he plugged in a guitar is like the most famous one. But he just yeah. like keeps going electric and pissing people off, yeah. unplugging and and plugging back in the guitar. Just <laughs> his yeah. Whole career.
1: Well, I think that um, I mean the 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 thing about Dylan going electric is it's like it's really interesting because the um, the or that analogy or that kind of metaphor or the metaphor or whatever it's that it's like uh, he you know um, you know if you look at folk mu- music it's a really really interesting phenomenon because it's essentially a sort of unannounced version of you know the like you know it's like kind of a under the radar communist party sort of you know it's like sort of uh, abiding by a lot of the orthodoxy of the then outlawed communist party you know because it was during the red scare that all these people started digging up you know, these songs and they created the scene and it was really anti-originality. It was really anti-commercial. It was explicitly about poor people's music and kind of, you know, all the aesthetics around that are, um, you know, are really, uh, you know, certainly it's like a socialistic or whatever. And, um, And in a way you can look at folk music itself as being a kind of version of Stalinist social realism, you know, because... Stalinist Stalinist like social realism or the art of the Soviet Union after the revolutionary period was you know really against innovation it was really against expression except as you know the the kind of traditional you know this is the a painting of a farmer with a tractor you know right and that's right. Kind of, so um so it's actually interesting because you know he betrayed that and then it's uh, then him going religious is really that's another that's another you know because that's you know a lot of people say you know that's got this religious aspect to it but then i don't know it's it's yeah it's real i don't know it's uh it's re- it's really interesting i think
0: yeah uh, yeah the, the socialist realism i wonder i mean this is sort of a digression but like i wonder if that impulse sort of comes about because it's a culture that is in its uh, early like birth stage that like it's like the socialists felt like they didn't have the freedom like or the power yet to indulge in these more experimental and interesting forms they're they're trying to build the foundation to like a new world from the ground yeah. up so they whereas like the decadent or you could see as decadent, you know, abstract expressionists, or, or uh, whatever what was going on in America pop at that time. Or, yeah, yeah, pop art. It's like this is the, clearly the product of a culture that has its foot, its boot on the on the face of everybody else. Like they yeah, can yeah. they can afford to be um, art in some ways like more daring and experimental. So yeah. like, Dylan's, I feel like you can sort of look at Dylan's transformation from folky to rock or uh, basically rock star to having something to do with that. I mean, he didn't like Warhol from all accounts, but I think he probably learned a thing or two from Warhol and felt like, well, I can, I can put this into my work to some degree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, uh, the go, I mean, the original Going Electric is always kind of popularly conceived of as like this this brilliant stroke of artistic inspiration on, on Bob's part. Uh but I, I think uh, uh beneath that and something that's uh not really examined quite as much is that it's also and Ian, I think you talk about this a little bit in um uh the chapter that you wrote on him in, in psych Soviet, it's like a canny commercial move on his part, sort of anticipating the um you know, anticipating the turn that that uh rock music would take when it turns into this commoditized art form that would be sold, uh, you know, to people around the country and around the world. Um, and uh, and I, I've been wondering about that same thing with the Christian thing, whether whether it was his attempt to make yet another kind of canny commercial decision uh, and, and get ahead of things, or if it was some sort of, you know, artistic, legitimate, spiritual inspiration that he found inside himself, or if it was some combination of both of them. It, it's really hard to tell even this many years on, you know.
0: I actually well, think I... Sorry.
2: Oh, no, go on, go
0: on. I, I think I have a slight, at least my like an inkling of an idea about that, which is like, maybe it was you know at least to a, some degree a, a canny commercial move for Bob to go electric. Not that he would ever admit that, but I think part of it was like the way he did it. He maybe felt privately like I'm, you know, he knew what kind of lyrics he was putting in these things. He knew nobody else was gonna touch that. Like he was so far ahead in that regard so I think to some extent it was like yeah I'm selling out but like no I'm not because I've I'm also simultaneously doing this extremely rare thing with my yeah, yeah visual poetry and whatnot and then yeah so that that leads me to wonder about that very question of like well what is the Christian period here and to some extent I think it is like a way to for him to personally work out that initial, that like original sin, you could say of, of doing this, of selling out the, the folk scene and going electric that maybe, you know, he's an older man. He's been beat around a bit and he's lived a bit more. He's been married and divorced and had kids. And now he's, he's looking back and realizing like, well, maybe I wasn't saying much when I was doing uh, blonde on blonde. Like maybe I, maybe I can do, have a do over and, and make this kind of music again mean, but mean something like from a spiritual per, point of view. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think, I think you're totally right. I think that like, if you think about the you know, the 70s or the, you know, 69 and the early seventies and Nixon and Vietnam and, you know, the trauma, people were experiencing—it seems really similar to right now, you yeah. Know, where people yeah. were playing with radical ideas in the '60s, and it was really—it was kind of fun, you know. And then it turned into this bloodbath with, like, you know, all the political leaders are assassinated, and the Black Panthers are infiltrated and murdered, and Bobby Kennedy shot in the street or shot on the, you know, at the convention. Yeah. You know I mean, the, just like stuff that. It's, it's so far out when you actually consider what was happening
3: yeah. at the
1: time. And uh, and just this kind of, I mean, this thing that is now it's normal to have like a secret bombing war, you know, where it's happening yeah. in Syria and, uh, you know, the U.S. is now always at war secretly or whatever. But, um, but back then I think that was uh, a bigger deal to people because people I think had a little more, idealism. Uh, And so I, I, so then you see the big back to the land thing and everybody kind of abandoning. And then he watched rock and roll go from something that was really, you know, you know, uh, more of a community and and then turned into, you know, Rod Stewart and, you know, stadium, you know, stadium rock.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's what, so you see with the Rolling Thunder, they're kind of trying to bring it back to some kind of community you know, community thing with a scene. It's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think he really missed a kind of community. And, you know, if you look at all the radical hippies, you know, they all moved to communes and got into Jesus. And, you know, so in a sense, he's almost like a late, a late, ver- you know, it's like he's a late bloomer for this whole back to the land, yeah, Christian, you know.
0: And <laughs> it, it's, it's like the, um, the Christian. And especially the born again Christian perspective, one could kind of see how that might be appealing to someone like Bob Dylan, who I don't think he's the type to embrace the more flowery and um, lovey dovey side of of uh, communal living, like the yeah. hippie side. So maybe like yeah, the the re- hardcore religious wing of things um, fringe basically like the hardcore evangelicism was like had enough doom and gloom for him not to feel like a loser and, yeah and, and be like well i'll yeah i can get on board with this like i've always been talking about how you're you know there your lost souls out there like last time we were talking about this uh interview that um grail marcus gave where he was talking about like a rolling stone and basically talking about how that song is like frightening in how much it accuses you and it's like that's really close to what's happening here in a way oh yeah
1: it's um i mean i feel like there's going to be a lot of religious you know people already like people i talk to are like they want to abandon the arts they want to just remove themselves really from yeah i feel like a lot of people are really freaked out right now by the kind of social climate and the political climate and um and i think you know that's what happened in the early 70s with everybody moving to a geodesic dome or whatever you know and uh (laughs) dome life but also there's a rejection of kind of you know like embracing christianity is also a kind of working class, you know, it's very working class way, anyway, you know, and, uh, you know, so I think you're also right in the sense that it's like a, you know, it's a return to folk in a way, because it's a, you know, at that point, what was folk had turned into kind of, you know, was probably a more urbane, I don't know, you know, Emmylou Harris, you know, at a coffee shop or something, but, um,
0: what but, was folk uh, like in 1980? I'm not really yeah, up on that.
2: I don't think folk really even existed except as just like a sort of a costume. You could I, well, I'm imagining Your like style.
0: Th- that movie, um, a mighty wind, um, the Christopher guest movie. Like it was yeah. like that with, with like people <laughs> singing songs about like, uh, pirate or like being on the great lakes in a ship and stuff like that and like wearing well match, i guess there was a, a little like loud
1: and wing right like i i guess there was there was a bunch of folk happening but it's all a little bit like you know corny you know what i mean like it's um like it had maintained some life but all you know but as a kind of like it'll throwback all sudden, music yeah exactly yeah, like an right.
2: affectation the um i mean the 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 other thing that uh, is like uh, obvious but also just endlessly fascinating is just like what else was happening on the cutting edge of the you know rock scene in general as bob was going through this this christian period with him like completely cuz it seemed like for a while there like around the the rolling thunder period you know he was hanging out with patty smith he was in the same kind of sphere as springsteen um which is not to say that you know he was a downtown uh, soho loft guy by any means but he was like he was kind of in the same orbit as the people that would go on to be the cutting edge of, you know, what, what turned into the, the punk rock scene. And this is just like him completely, you know, doing a 180 and walking as far away from that direction as possible, um, yeah. which is, is fascinating to me. And, and you know, I'm what I I always wondered to myself, like, what if, he, what if he had tried to, like, kind of go in that direction? Maybe it would have been a corny disaster, but also maybe it would have been, you know, maybe it would have been something interesting.
1: No, you're right, because, the you know, the the voidoids upset. Obs- you know, they're just kind of sound like Bob Dylan, like everybody was still hung up on Bob Dylan, you know, the, the, everybody would, you know, go watch, don't look back. and
0: Yeah. I mean, to well, Patty Smith scene is kind of like the connecting person here in some ways. Cause she was like, from what I know, I guess like not much, like she was one of the main CBGB scene people who had this fervent, idolization of bob dylan that she wasn't really ashamed of like she still you know she like saw him as like a big hero and they like hung out and stuff um and and that that continued for her anyway but anyway now i'm just imagining like bob dylan singing uh love comes in spurts
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, no, I mean, it's interesting. I, I know that he's, um, I mean, the thing about Bob Dylan is he's always been embraced by the academy and, you know, and the you know, upper class, you know, and, uh, and he always he rejects it. You know, he's not, he's, uh, he's into boxing and he really likes, you know, working class stuff. And I think, you know, religion is just maybe, yeah, maybe he just feels like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know. Wait. Sorry, there's a yards keeper nearby. Is that, are you guys having a hard time hearing it?
0: No. No.
1: Oh, okay. There's like a, y- a leaf blower. ah
2: You're out there in uh, Los okay. Angeles? Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, where? um Well, um. I just, oh, I, sure. I just ask because we're both from uh, Southern California as well.
1: Oh, I'm in uh, – do you see the
2: – Oh, beautiful. You're oh, up in the hills somewhere. Gorgeous. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's the uh, Capitol building. Capitol
2: Records? Um,
1: Capitol Records, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm in uh, Beechwood, um, sort of. Sort of yeah. Beechwood, Kenya. I, yeah. I don't know if it's te- technically in Beechwood. It's some neighborhood called Oaks. Oaks. Um, the Oaks. So it's right between Griffith Observatory and the, the Hollywood Sign.
0: Very but nice. it's not
1: the canyon. It's not the Beachwood Canyon it's the next.
2: Little little quieter than uh, Beachwood.
1: Well, it's a, yeah. It's, it looks like it was all built like uh, in 1961, as opposed to the Beachwood's more 40s. Or yeah, earlier stuff. Yeah, 20s, yeah. 30s. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 cool, but uh, but you know we'll have to move out one day. Yeah. The big ones coming. Where are you guys from?
0: We're from, uh, where are you from, Ian?
2: Uh, I I just say Los Angeles just because I I was born and raised all around uh, the the Southern California area. I grew up in Orange County to start and then the Valley as a teenager and then lived downtown in Koreatown for a couple of years. So just all over Southern California in general.
0: And I I was, I'm born in the suburbs, like Thousand Oaks, and then went to school Mm -hmm sort of uh, valley adjacent in Agora Hills where we both oh, cool. went to high school. And then, and then I've lived in East, Hall, uh, East Los Angeles and, uh, and lived in a uh, canyon, canyon for, for some period for a year and a half oh, or cool. so. And uh, I
1: just talked to Tootie from Dead Moon. I didn't really realize that they would lived in Laurel Canyon in the sixties. Oh, that, wow. Uh, Fred and Chudy. She's like the record company put Fred up in a house in Laurel Canyon, because it was where all the musicians were supposed to live. <laughs> it's like
0: it sucked. It, it's a. It's not what you. Uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Is all I'll say.
1: That's what she said.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: she said the '60s weren't all good.
2: they were cracked up. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's like that seems the, to be yeah the prevailing wisdom the these the days consensus.
0: Bob Dylan right. seemed to be the only one during the 60s who knew this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Who was like, this isn't good. What's happening yeah. is bad. And everybody yeah. was like, was so confused.
1: Well, I think the, the thing that, to remember about the 60s is it was really like a revival movement. You know, it was essentially, like, people were obsessed with the 30s.
0: Oh, and they were all yeah. kind of
1: like living, you know, people like, if you think of folk mu- music, like they were into communism, which was a 30s thing, you know, it's like that communist party was chugging along in the thirties and right. and then there were the okies and the folk music thing was happening and labor unions and then you know it's like and uh and then so he had probably already yeah i don't know maybe he he was aware of the you know the origins of everybody's uh you know yes yeah. a lot of the people we sort of felt they'd invented the you word
3: know,
2: yeah, there's. Uh, I re- I always remember there's some clip in Don't Look Back or something. He's singing. You know, it, it's early. You know, early in his career, and he's he's just him and a guitar, and he's singing one of his you know kind of quote unquote protest songs. Um, uh, and it, he's just like in like a rolled up denim shirt, and he's got a bunch of like farm hands lined up behind him, like in a pickup truck, and there's hay bales and stuff. And it seems so totally put on. Like this was clearly like a hundred percent staged for the camera. Uh, but it was supposed to look like he was just yeah some oaky farmer who stepped out of the Dust Bowl in 1933 or something <laughs> and started strumming his fucking guitar. It's like
0: Well, that's what was cool back then, Ian. I guess so. <laughs> he he well, knew. I it.
1: think. I think that clip though isn't that from like a uh, kind of Freedom Ride that he went went on or something? Was that so what? My, is
0: was it yeah. him in the South? That would make sense. Yeah, I think it's
1: him in the South because that could know, be what it so was. Much well, I mean, it was you know that's something that we don't think about is how fraught that period was with you know the kind of college kids all going down south and you know
0: right in the um the interview he gave with playboy in 1966 which i just reread today and was like blown away by there's um because it's it's genuinely one of the most insane interviews i've ever read of anyone it like he just comes up with entire like two paragraph answers out of whole cloth that are like short stories. And, um, it, there's a, a bit of, uh, of that interview where they are talking about the protest movements and talking about civil rights. And he's, you know, as cagey as a human being could possibly be about those things. Um, but there are certain things he says in it that I feel like ring true today. Um, I don't think that he's, he, he doesn't. Says fat,
1: folk music's for fat people. He
0: says it's a bunch of <laughs> uh, fat people. Yeah. We're afraid they're
1: going to take away their, to- somebody's going to take their toilet paper. away.
0: Right. A ridiculous burn. Which is
1: very, yeah, but that's very uh, prophetic because everybody, you know, the COVID.
0: Like, <laughs> toilet paper panic. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a line that kind of, I found pretty like uh, haunting in a way where he said of, people protesting and and of the unrest he was like they don't want to admit that they don't know each other something like that wow which i thought was kind of like wow like that that is kind of something that is still true today in terms of the you know we're going through a period of huge social unrest and it can be pretty incoherent and i think that he accurately kind of diagnosed that with that one line of like you know, we 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 are seeing so many people fight for a community. You know, helping helping communities, and we all want things to be better. Um, but we've never been less of a community as a whole.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really uh, fascinating to think about. Like, you know, even I, I think in the '60s, like as they wore on, and, and Bob, you know, approached the uh, the the apocryphal. Newport Folk Festival, you know, when he finally plugged in, um, you know, he he could kind of tell which way the wind was blowing, uh, and, and realized like, you know, that the 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 whole protest song movement thing, like, th- nothing good is going to come of this. I'm not I'm not going to be able to achieve any sort of lasting social change based off of this. And I think a lot of that actually animated the direction he took with his career for the next couple of years. Um, but uh, but you know, compared today, compared to today, when we've got the same kinds of same kinds of issues, same kind of mass social movements going on. Like there's not even there's not even anyone any like a pro, like anywhere close to to what uh, what what Bob was attempting to do. Masters at the be- of War, yeah, yeah. Because, exactly.
1: But the reason is because the politics are so incoherent, and incoherent,
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: and they're not community based; they're based on individualism, right, for the most part. So, something like Masters of War would be. Uh, that, I mean, like Masters of War is an anti-war song but there's no anti-war, anti-war
0: movement, movement no. right there's right. no
1: anti-war movement like none of these so-called leftists they they all glaze over if you talk about war if you talk to them about yemen or syria or drew a correlation between police brutality and like war, you know the imperialist oppression overseas they're
3: totally completely
1: you know it's out of their league because it's not about them
2: yeah, imagine trying to talk to some recording artist about the Houthis in Yemen or something, right yeah, now. I mean,
1: I mean, people are mo- just concerned with accusation, or, 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 you know, essentially, it's a fear based. It's a fear based movement because people are afraid of being condemned. Because there's this hashtag, you know, it's everything's a hashtag. Right. So everybody is getting in line because they're afraid that they're going to fall on the wrong side of the hashtag, and then, uh, but there's no, you know, that you can't really have an idea. There's no ideas in an, you know,
0: in, in a situation hashtag. like this. You know what what's what's what everyone wants really, but they'll never admit it. Is a hashtag called Christ? A hashtag <laughs> called <laughs> the Lord.
1: Saved by the blood of the lamb.
0: That's one of the best things about Bob's religiosity. It's it's like it's a just so in a weird way refreshing. Um, you know, we've just gone down a path in our conversation that feels dark and bleak, as every conversation longer than five minutes becomes in these times. Um, and yet, we can just talk about Jesus, and suddenly, like everything flattens out and you see the good and the bad, and everything is readable.
1: That's, yeah, no, that's really, I, yeah. Well, I think that's, yeah, so you see this thing that I was talking about, this escape, escape from the confusion, and, and you know, a lot of the same, you know, like, a lot of celebrities are getting a lot of pressure to, like, you know, that's what the Beatles song Revolution is about, you know. It's about being badgered to give money to Maoists and stuff, because what we don't, you know, what, what goes forgotten about the kind of, like, marketing makeover of the 60s is how much you know now is very cheap and there was a lot of uh, pressure on celebrities and people like that to kind of you know to, to stand up and make your you know make you know, and give to the cause and you pay up it was very similar to now where it's like pay up that's the way that you can you know, do it so but anyway um uh what's Interesting too is that in, in this I just was watching this footage from you know it's right before Reagan gets elected and Dylan is touring on the Saved album with Spooner Oldham and James Keltner and you know and Clyde King is in the band. Uh. And um you know the stuff we, we you were looking at too. And uh but did you see the one where he gives a sermon and it's all about Afghanistan?
0: Uh I missed that.
1: Well, there's one on there called Bob Sermon, and it's a, uh, it's a concert. I've, it's in I don't know, it's in the Midwest or something, and and he's uh, talking about, you know, biblical prophecy, of the Antichrist coming to the world, and uh, and he starts talking about Afghanistan,
2: Whoa. like uh, as, with the Soviets uh, invading and in the there, Soviets. the Mujahideen and stuff.
1: So I guess he's I guess you know I mean it makes sense because he was buddies with Jim, Jimmy Carter. So it makes sense because Carter's whole foreign policy was, you know, the Mujahideen and, you know, attacking the Soviet Union, which, you know, in my opinion, the Soviet Union was on the right side of the conflict on, you know, more, more than the, the United States.
0: The
3: capitalist the, pigs. Well, Anyone- the, I,
1: mean, I mean, the Soviet Union were, they were supporting a government that was uh, quite progressive, more progressive than anything Afghanistan's
2: had. anyone fighting uh, the 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 CIA front is is by default on on the good <laughs> side exactly
1: so anyway it was interesting to hear his kind of Christian right-wing you know I mean I forgive Bobby for whatever I don't care but you know but it was it was interesting because he's kind of he's falling in line with this sort of, you know not only right-wing propaganda but evangelical i mean it was it was like a speech that wouldn't be out of place on jerry falwell's tv show i
2: think that that's a good point Uh, and and i wonder like how much because like reagan right really was the first uh uh president or, or politician in the country to really kind of like activate that uh the the evangelical uh wing that is now you know so so um um, essential to the you know success of the Republican Party and electoralism. Um, but I, I kind of feel like you know 7980 like as as you're gearing up into that first Reagan election, like i don't I don't know I guess I, I really don't know like if if there was that 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 really close link between the evangelical Christians uh, and this you know reactionary right wing, um, uh, agenda that Reagan came to Symbolize or if that didn't start to happen More until you know we get to the 84 Morning in America kind of election
1: Yeah I don't know I mean I know That in, if you look at 60s 50s 60s propaganda there's a lot of anti Communist Christian Stuff right like Pamphlets and stuff you know if you, And people are always sending around that It's like a graphic from the 60s about the Beatles and how they're a Communist plot <laughs> and that's like A religious thing so so I think anti-communist, anti-anti-communist religiosity has been a big. It's been a. It's I think it's been big for forever, since communism began. For good reason, because you see all those photographs of the Bolsheviks, you know, looting the Orthodox churches. They uh, they were hardcore, man. And uh, yeah, and, and you know, if I was a church man, I would definitely
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And yet, you know, just a few years later, you have Bob on Infidels with a song like "Union Sundown," which is all about how the you know the unions need to be protected from big government, and uh, we need a strong labor movement in our country. Um, really, he really, he really does have
2: kind of like inscrutable politics to me. There's um, also
0: a song it, on that album about uh, Israel being good. <laughs>
2: That's the thing, yeah, he's oh, like, yeah. he's like I think like a pseudo-Zionist or something, or, or at least has been for some period of time in his career. Like, I don't, it, it might be like, maybe, maybe the joke's on us to even try to like make sense of some sort of coherent sense of yeah, politics yeah. within Bob, but it's, he's such a, he's such a fucking puzzle. I have no I idea. I mean,
1: artists always have, you know, aesthetic, you know, it's like the emotional, emotional and aesthetic. Political choices, you know. Even Godard, mm-hmm. you know, his—he was fascinated by Maoists, but you know that was probably because all the cute college students in
2: Paris were into Mao, right? Yeah, all the sixteen-year-olds.
0: Probably a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably has nothing to do with it, you know. <laughs>
2: but, but you know, you know what
1: I mean. Like it's uh it's yeah. I think you're right that it's it's wrong. You know, it's, it would be a mistake to try to put the, you know figure out what the uh, party platform, the party platform might have a lot of contradiction.
0: Well, to that point of contradiction, um, I, I know for myself anyway, um, I've never felt like really, like I was able to understand this period in Bob Dylan's career and to like square it and in my mind as something that makes sense ever. I don't know that anyone really has. And I'm just curious about your thoughts on like the legacy of this, uh, these three, two and a half kind of Christian records, and what it meant for Bob to even have done this, and then just stop doing it. Like, what it what's to be taken away from this, if anything?
1: Well, I would say, I got to say, listening to the music, besides the sermon about Afghanistan um, today, I was really like, wow, well, it's it's really you know, because I went into this thinking, well, well, this makes sense because he kind of has to hit this you know this he loves little richard in his yearbook he said i want to join little richard so this is part of the kind of essential matrix of rock and roll and to me bob dylan is he's just the ultimate rock and roller and to ignore religious music as a real rock and roller is kind of i mean that's it's folly because the music all the whole cathartic aspect and the kind of you know the this idea of you know i mean the 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 way the music is designed it's just so influenced by gospel music you know The these kind of soliloquies and this kind of direct communication with the audience and the the catharsis that used to be expected of a rock and roll show until south by southwest (laughs) everybody had to play 15 shows a day you know that's (laughs) before you know before that rock and roll groups were attempted to create some kind of you know thing that you would remember and feel and
0: functional uh, like there's a functionality to it
1: yeah 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 you were going through something and anyway the point is um so i think you know it would have been folly for him to To ignore that, especially because he loves Little Richard so much, and but also, then listening to it, I was like, well, well, because rock and roll is just religious music with secular lyrics, the music doesn't sound really any different. He's still playing. He recorded at Muscle Shoals. He's playing with all the, you know, the he's playing with Tim Drummond, who played with James Brown in Vietnam and everything, you know, like that part of the. He's playing with you know, these, you know, incredible your know, session guys and they're just like i mean it's inc- it's just it's incredible it's like just out memphis memphis rhythm and uh so i just felt like wow like it just it just uh it just uh i don't know it, you know it, it fits right into his catalog basically
0: yeah i mean i agree i think it actually like we've sort of touched on I think it's aged well in that uh when you pick themes that are like this uh life and death and you know salvation and damnation like those are not going to go out of style um in any yeah. appreciable way they in fact like it's kind of something everybody has this uh potential to fall even deeper into at some point as you get older these things become more tempting like as shit goes wrong
1: and and the idea of redemption is really important like because if you represent rock and roll which is all about he you know hedonism and kind of like the idea that you're above the law then the idea of like putting yourself under like heavy heavy manners and just like saying no like i i'm you know i think that's also important to create you know you know for the you know for artists to have you know, a well-rounded, you know, you know, like, uh, I don't know for the myth to have more, you know, it's, it's, you know, Motley Crue, they're just not that interesting, you know, (laughs) because it's just hedonism.
0: That makes sense. There's a quote I wrote down of yours, I think that was in, I think it was in Psychic Soviet, um, about how the punk movement and uh, in particular, I think you were referencing straight edge, kind of has uh, an aspect that's similar to Christianity um, that uh, let's see rebellion for its own sake as ideology uh, perfectly served an ever transformative market with its fashion waves, which receded to and fro because punk was a mass revolt against its parent form. Some of its sectarian developments actually slightly resembled rock's nemesis Christianity with an emphasis on moderation, self-flagellation, or denial. So yes, uh, I, I think yeah, that, I, it folds right in there. Where like, it's funny, you know. We were Ian. You talked about um, how punk was going on at this point. Um, you know, what if Dylan had gotten involved in that? In a way, he's sort of like presaging uh, straight edge here. <laughs> yes
1: well also well, well that's interesting is that, like in a sense punk is yeah it's the protestant reformation you know if you look at any reform movement it's actually trying to get closer to Judaism. or you know in christianity it's they're trying to get closer to judaism closer to the old testament they're trying to get rid of all the catholic you know the Bar- baroque the baroque and byzantine kind of like frills and like let's get back to the that, you know, a synagogue is kind of modernist and austere, you know, and like no nonsense. And then, so they're trying to get back to that kind of like the root. And uh, yeah, so I think you're right. That's, uh, that's part of it. And, oh, and then another part of this is when you think about people like Ricky Nelson and all the early rock and roll stars who were white, they all went, you know, they made their hit and then they went into country music because country music, represented a kind of uh it it represented a kind of like um reliable audience it wasn't subject to the you know it wasn't pop so you weren't just going to be thrown out after one hit you know like uh country music represented a kind of you know you know country fans to this day are really loyal they're a lot like gay mm-hmm. fans, you know, the gay audience. <laughs> yeah, Lady and that's Gaga why, fans. Yeah, if you look at pop stars, they all try to become a gay icon. Like Miley Cyrus did that very considered transformation from Teeny Bopper to gay icon by being lewd and being outrageous. She was like, she, she gambled on becoming a gay icon because the gay audience will buy your record there. Right. You're a, a great audience, you know, and that's what the country music audience was in the 60s and 70s. It was a reliable audience. And I think that's maybe what the Christian gambit was.
0: You know? do, do you have any thoughts on Kanye's religious revival? <laughs> oh. It just I comes to I... mind because I don't know if there's ever been a, if there's been a high, higher profile one in the interim.
3: Oh yeah,
2: you're right. I guess he is the modern he, the modern Dylan, right? He is a Gemini.
0: Right. Like right. Dylan. do you have thoughts about sense. dylan's uh his sign or his i don't know what his rising or moon are actually i think he has some in taurus in yeah he, he's a i'm a taurus he is he, oh, nice
1: um he is a uh, really early gemini and uh i forgot i looked up his chart at some point but um you know he's a—he's just such a classic Gemini. Yeah,
0: and they're so he's you got both Geminis.
1: and perverse.
0: Two Geminis <laughs> in, in Kanye and Bob.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Gemini.
0: You're a Gemini too.
2: Yeah. What are you?
0: Can you guess? Sagittarius. Did yeah. you just guess that Ian, or did you know?
2: No, I actually just guessed that.
0: Wow. Yeah, you're. Are right. you Sagittarius? I am.
2: Yeah. Wow. Like Bruce Springsteen.
0: That's say this
2: is the this like is the Sinatra. Joker. This is the Joker man uh, mind meld.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm another. I'm a five seven Sagittarius like John Cassavetes. Wow.
1: <laughs> Sinatra, Sammy Davis, uh, Jim Morrison, Jimmy Hendrix.
0: Did you ever read that interview? Wow, that's good. That interview Bob did with AARP where he talks about meeting Sinatra. This was like ahead of Triplicate, if I'm remembering correctly. And he said something about how Sinatra pulled him aside and was like you and I, we're, we're, different. You know, we, we both have blue eyes. <laughs> Wait, what did he say? He said something about like you and I, like we both have blue eyes. We're like kind of hinted like we are better than everyone else. <laughs> and, Who knows if that actually happened? And, and Bob was like, uh, I, I remember thinking he was right or something like that. <laughs> Whether or not that happened, uh, it's great copy for selling your American standards collection.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's great. But, um... Wow, well, Sinatra. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, you know. Yeah, the are kind of mavericks. Taurus, James Brown's a Taurus.
0: Oh, okay. yeah, hell yeah!
1: Taurus, um, I see that. Uh, Eric Burden from the Animals and Tammy Wynette. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of others. Both of those are
0: well represented and like, right, amongst musicians. Um, I'm also curious just to um, ask you, Ian, uh, Ian S, uh, two, two Ians, um, just what, what was like your first experience with listening to Bob Dylan and his music? And like, what, what was uh, that like for you? Did you have like a come to Bobby moment?
1: No, I just always heard him, you know, my whole life cuz I lived with some uh, hippies when I was a kid and you had a big record collection at uh at my house and uh and there's some Bob Dylan records and I remember it was uh always a contentious thing like some people didn't like it, some people did. And uh but you know, yeah, I would just always always liked it. Just it always made a lot of sense to me and I always felt like uh you know this idea that he, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It really feels to me. I mean, obviously, like it does all of us. Not, I'm not saying that makes me special. No. Uh,
0: well, it makes everyone special who likes. Exactly, it. <laughs> that's kind of the the great thing, and everyone becomes special by listening to Bob Dylan. Yeah, you're right.
2: You're right. Do you have yeah. a uh, I don't. Do you have a favorite Bob record or favorite like period era? Of Bob, or is already omnivorous?
1: I mean, I'm you know I'm like everybody else. So I like uh, you know Basement Tapes, and uh, you know, but Basement Tapes, John Wesley Harding, and Highway 61. And that's Th- that's most, your big. That's my favorite. That's All funny.
0: That's, that's your big three: the, the Basement Tapes, John Wesley Harding. And
1: Highway 61. Highway 61, yeah. But, you, you know, but honestly, you know, go spot. I don't know. I, there's so many. There's so
2: many. I'm a big uh, Nashville Skyline guy myself, although Evan is not.
0: Uh, I'm less of that. I'm more of a Tempest man. <laughs>
3: oh, that's, that's good.
0: Um, yeah. And I mean, of course, it's, of that's, course Blonde on Blonde. I mean, the and early. Blonde on blonde. The early... Yeah, I should
1: have said Blonde and blonde, blonde. That's. Well, th- this whole
0: podcast just, is predicated on that the fact that it goes without saying that those are good. I mean, the first episode of this podcast was John Wesley Harding because the whole point when we started yeah. was to to not talk about the ones that are, like, obviously, like, the gold yeah. standard for yeah. music.
1: Totally. I mean, one interesting thing about the Save Sessions is just that he's working with all these guys who probably, you know, were playing like, You know Elvis and you know everybody else, and I wonder what they thought about. You know, if they they probably decided, you know, I guess it's only because of his stature and what he represented to people that this was weird. Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember reading uh, a little bit when we were looking up shit for the Slow Train episode, just about the recording there. There, there, I didn't, I couldn't find much information about the Saved Sessions. Uh, There was much more about Slow Train and then Shot of Love as well. But, um, you know, he got Jerry Wexler lined up to produce, and then he got Mark Knopfler in to play the guitar and stuff, and both of them got down to Muscle Shoals and then realized, like, oh, we're playing on a Christian rock record. Like, <laughs> they they had no idea what the fuck they were in. They are just like, oh, this is, this is the next Bob
0: record. This is going to be great. They realized at some point, like, uh, all these songs are about God, <laughs> I think was the <laughs> quote. Um, yeah.
1: Wow. But also he was dating one of, one of his... Singer, some sometimes so that could right, be a huge right. influence, right? Kind of like Godard dating Anna Wies- Wiesemski and getting into math, you know.
0: but a big difference between this record and uh Slow Train is that Slow Train was actually originally a set of songs written for her for um the woman he was involved with in the in his backing band. Um, I who, what, what is her name?
3: Um, was you're the was one, was it Clyde with- King?
0: It wasn't Clive King. It was Carolyn Dennis.
2: Is that the one that he's rumored to have uh, had a
0: had a child with? Who he? Yeah, he has had a child with her. Yeah. Um, but this so- this set of songs was you know made afresh for him, but um. I, I usually we on, on this program we go through every song, but in this case, I think we're, we we won't. <laughs>
1: we can, we can, but I, it might it might be a little. You know. I don't yeah. know that
0: I don't know that there is a whole
2: lot to go through on all the songs. To be honest, this, the the record is basically like seven songs long when you when you consider yeah. like the first song, uh, Satisfied Mind, and then like you know the rest of them. There's eight more, and like you know one of, you, you can could just cut at least one of those.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that I think are um, expendable, um, but overall, I, I really think it's a strong record. I don't think I can, in good conscience, say it's like vastly like less or more than Slow Train, but. Um, yeah, I See, mean, I really, we could I really go like... through all of them. I could figure out something to <laughs> fucking say about every one of these, well, but it's, I won't they're keep you too long.
1: They don't feel that pop. You know, it's not; it's less pop. I would say it's more of a vibe record. It's more just like, you know, yeah. But the songs are less; they're less memorable. As kind of like, than slow train.
2: I think. Yeah, totally. No, I I think that the the big difference, like lyrically, between slow train and uh, saved is like. Slow train has got a lot of this, and we were talking about this last time, Evan, with Sam. Like, Slow train has got a, a ton of this, like, you know, holier than now, fire, fire and brimstone mood that that Bob has got, where he's like, just like, you know, he's uh, casting a spur, like talking shit on everyone else who hasn't found Jesus, like he has. Versus <clears> saved, <throat> saved is more just like he's just talking about God and like how he likes him yeah. and stuff, and and like the. <clears throat> As a as a secular listener, that doesn't that doesn't connect for me quite as much as hearing insane uh, strung out Bob, you know, talk shit yeah. on how you need to accept Jesus and, and sheiks walking around with nose rings and shit.
0: Right. The I I will say though that I I think something I've learned from going over and to this record, you know, quite a bit in the last uh, week is. I think it can it can be more like richly enjoyed by thinking of it as a record that's almost too Bob, like Bob talking to himself. Like the song um, Pressing On, for example, and uh, the song What Can I Do For You, these feel like really personal in a way. Um, Pressing On being a song that feels as much like he's talking to critics as reminding himself that he's going to just – do, he's doing the right thing by going and following the Lord. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And That's and, a beautiful song. It yeah, is pressing on is absolutely
2: sure. a stone cold classic. That's like you know top line song from this record.
0: The live yeah. versions of these songs are you know absolutely worth watching, crucial yeah. viewing. Especially, I think uh, my favorite on the whole record is probably "What Can I Do for You," just because of that that uh, harmonica solo at the end. Where um, in in this video of it that um, I post on the Jokerman uh, Instagram, which you can uh, follow online. Oh, I do. do, uh, Anybody listening? Uh, uh, (laughs) I'm talking to the listeners, but you too, Ian. (laughs) Uh, uh, um, It's really remarkable to watch because while he's in the midst of this like two and a half minute solo on the harmonica, it's shitty uh camera you know it's like old looking it does it's not really high fidelity it's like lights and it's dark and um you kind of see or it creates this illusion of like him becoming young again like he look with just the harmonica up and these lights he looks like he could be a man of uh, 20 25 and yeah it's like this very poignant uh musical highlight that i think feels like the closest you get to really him communing with the the spirit because it go, gets so well, quiet. Prince,
1: you know, Prince uh, said music kept him in. And, and uh, I mean, it killed him too. But but Prince actually is a good analogy because he's a Gemini who also had an inscrutable religious conversion that alienated a lot of his fans.
0: He uh, um a...
1: Jehovah's Witness.
0: A Jehovah's Witness, yeah.
1: And there's a whole crew of Jehovah's Witnesses in rock and roll.
0: Is um, is not Larry Graham? Isn't was um, part of
1: his band. Uh, Fresh
0: from from Peru? Um, oh, David Thomas. David Thomas is a Jehovah's Witness, or at least oh, I, that makes sense. He was at one point.
1: I mean, Jehovah's Witness seems cool because you don't have to celebrate holidays. Really. I mean, don't they find? Holidays, See,
0: I don't know At that least. much, but uh, if they sold it that way, maybe they'd get more people on board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you not want to go to Christmas this year?
1: They also have those. Uh, they have a pretty, pretty cool publication, periodicals. I mean, honestly, the religious thing is really appealing to me. When I started the group, the makeup, I start. I was researching churches. I was going, going to a lot of churches and uh, watching sermons because I was really like, well, this is the root of rock and roll music. And um, and it's really the idea of like, you know, mixing, mixing oratory with, you know, songs and including people and, you know, that whole thing. And so I was going to a lot of churches and um, trying to get a sense of you know, just watching the masters at work. And, um, and one thing that was appealing, you know, because it is like punk rock in the sense that you have your congregate and it doesn't rely on um, the charts. So maybe that's another aspect of the Christian conversion is just, he was exhausted of chasing these hits, you know, because, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the Radio would become something that, you know, was seemed, you know, in una, unapproachable You know, you think about all the stuff that was getting popular by 1980, and it's a lot of synthesizer music. You know, that one thing about Dylan is he supposedly transformed a lot, but it's he's never gotten synthy. He's not like Paul McCartney, who plays with new instruments and well is excited about innovation.
0: I'm I. I, I I'm afraid we are going to have to talk about um, his his later 1980s output if we start talking about the use of synths because it happens.
1: Uh, oh well, maybe yeah. But maybe I, I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, but you're, you know you're not
0: mean. you're not wrong totally because I think that when those happened, namely on Empire Burlesque and Knocked Out Loaded, those are big synth Dylan records. Like you get the feeling, and by all accounts, he let that happen by not being so involved. It was like stuff that these studio hotshots who were hanging around were like eager to throw on there to try to impress him or like build up their own careers. It's not like Dylan felt super passionately that we had to have like a synth sax or whatever the fuck.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I guess what I mean is like, you know, I'm sure that that makes sense that, that, because he was kind of checked out because I, I feel like there was a real descent into drug addiction that went on for maybe 30 years <laughs> uh, you know where he was kind of i like a little bit checked out maybe not mm-hmm. 30 years but 20 years but anyway uh wait are you guys going to talk about the traveling wolveries on this program
0: uh, we're going to have to I think. we sure
1: are <laughs> yeah what about the what about that record of uh, victoria spivey on it Would you guys did that one
0: which one What's is it that again?
1: New day, new new. What's it called? Day, new day. What's the yellow one with the? New morning, new morning, new morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We,
0: we've been going in order, so we talked about new morning a while back, but um,
2: we weren't huge fans of the new morning record. New morning is really weird.
0: It's it weird. is weird. That one
2: seems really checked out.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, part I mean, of it is that uh, he. I I guess he he was working with this playwright and who had commissioned him to make some songs for a theater performance and that's how some of those, it came about. So it was like a very lukewarm thing, I think. Where he it's really
1: really weird. It's really the only record of his. that really feels like I just I, it's like as bad as it just really. Nothing. yeah well yeah, I'm, I'm
0: glad you feel that way because <laughs> yeah. on jokerman we i don't know if you know about our patented our system it, with reviewing things which is we review the the records on a scale of one to three stars <laughs> and um we get we both gave that we should be
1: one to two one to two
0: stars. <laughs> well you that can give zero stars. More one to one to three, I think you'll see will make it forces you to make some tough calls. But um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you can give zero if it feels like your pride is on the line. I think, but um, you know, we both gave. So what, you, what
1: did you guys give New Morning?
0: We gave New Morning a one star, oh, and no. we got some backlash. We got the most backlash out of any of that from from that review because. For whatever reason, some people are very attached some people really like it. To new more. Well, what about
1: self-portraits? I like that.
0: I gave it a three star. I think
1: it's great. I gave it. I gave st- it two.
0: I gave it three because of I, I respect it so much as a gesture. I just love
1: Days of Forty Nine. <laughs>
0: days of Days of Forty Nine is pretty good. Ian, you well, hate about, Days of Forty. <laughs>
1: what What about? Uh, I think that's one of the greatest. I love that.
0: Oh, I love that These you love close. that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm a big uh, so, wig, wigwam guy from that record. Oh, yeah. That's the thing about well, What about, about
1: self-portrait? That. What do you guys say about Planet Waves? I like Planet Waves.
2: Well, I think we each gave it two still. We're, we're, I'm a pretty big, good Planet Waves guy. I almost kind of feel like that. I should have given it three.
1: Yeah, that's like a return to form, I think.
2: Really kind of a underappreciated moment in the discography. It's post uh, you know, post the initial comeback period, but right before everyone started paying attention to him again with Blood on the Tracks. It's like just that one weird Well it's on
0: Asylum. Man. Yeah, it's it yeah, is. Yeah, it's the asylum record, exactly. I can't get too stoked about it, but I really like how like restrained in a way it is. It's just kind of like, Well, what if I put out a good record and that's it? Well
1: the other thing about Dylan is like well, that's what a friend of mine says. A friend of mine knows, uh, it's good friends with his son, and there's a lot of people who work with him. And he, he says that every Bob Dylan record, after they make their recording, he, Dylan throws out the three best songs.
0: Whoa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that makes sense.
1: I think that's really believable. That's, like, that the is. Three, uh, the three ones that everybody likes. I mean, that's very like, you know, it's like a, our teacher who makes you paint over that your favorite part of the painting, you know, it's, I like that. well, oh, that's a great one p- thing. Oh, sorry. Go. On. No, you, you go ahead. Well, one thing I was going to say is this redemption or this idea of penance and, you know, that his Christian thing as kind of a penance for his, you know, whatever you know, whatever his perceived like transgression was is that's kind of a theme through his music because after yeah. ballad in plain D, he gave all the publishing to who he written the mean song about. And then uh, yes. in, the, in the Playboy interview, he talks about how he would never do acid because he wrote all those mean lyrics from Positively 4th Street on acid. He said acid makes you really mean.
2: He wrote Positively 4th Street on acid?
1: Or Rolling Stone, one of those songs. You know, like, yeah, he's basically like... His vindictive period was written on acid. Huh. Under the influence of him doing acid. So he has a real like he is not afraid to be contrite you know
0: no i feel like that's that's something that's definitely true he learned after uh the motorcycle crash it was like a rough breaking point it's like what i can actually just i don't have to take like so much speed you know and just uh, yeah i can just make these nice songs (laughs) that still are good
1: uh yeah 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 exactly
0: I mean, he was on so much speed, it seems, um, during this time. Which Uh, is during the 60s, anyway.
1: The thing about that is usually that catches up with somebody and it really hurts their health, but he's incredible. Marky
0: Smith, who you interviewed, Marky Smith.
1: Yeah, and he really could. I mean, he offered me speed when I.
0: Oh, boy.
2: I'm sorry, we can't offer you speed right
0: now.
3: Yeah. I,
0: I, I thought you did a commendable job uh, compared oh, to other you. other people I've seen attempt or, or to try to interview Marky e. Smith, who's one of my favorite favorite guys. Oh, know? incredible!
1: Um, well, he he was really nice to me because I think because I, I was i an American.
0: I think he I doesn't think li- he, he, he doesn't like some Americans for sure. Well, he
1: he really hates British people.
0: Though. Yeah, I, I think that he reserves his he seemed to have reserved his most contempt for for his fellow country, his countrymen. Yeah.
2: He really hates the British. I think that's probably the, the, the appropriate uh, attitude to have.
0: I've got something uh, right here that actually I, I got because of hearing about it from, from Marky e. Smith. Talk about it. This is this book, but oh, cool. Wy- Wyndham Lewis, who is a fascist <laughs> and an artist. Yeah. It's a, a book of fascist British art. And, um, I think that Marky e. Smith was quoted. I'm only reminded of, of this is because Marky e. Smith qu- said something about Wyndham Lewis and his paintings. Like you can tell that he hates the people he paints. You can tell that he hates them so much in the way he paints them. Yeah, Marky e. Smith that's is a, and Bob Dylan. These are all, you know, masters of writing, of making art Absolutely. that feels like a uh, venomous.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, but there's a tenderness. They're they're tender. They're also kind of tender.
0: It makes it more all the more beautiful when when they are when they let their guard okay. down.
1: So, do you ever go to the uh, his house in Malibu? Because apparently, he sends people messages through these uh, lights.
0: No way.
1: These Christmas lights. Yeah. Sends people messages. <laughs> Well, you know, there's this this comedy writer. I forget her name, but she wrote this big article about the lights. You know, he, no. he, he, yeah. The, every year, the lights. You know, they're they're kind of prophetic in the same way that Dylan's lyrics are.
0: And his, his gates, lights his on his uh, fence. Yeah. Well, he he makes these gates too. These uh, artistic gates in his metalworking shop, um, which oh, right? I, yeah. That's um, his extracurricular. He does these gates that have these decorative things on them, like little figurines, things he finds that he solders on. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that is like a, an extension of the, of the gate thing, of, of him also applying this to lights on his house. This is news to me, anyway. Oh, cool. On, on the well, uh, bottle for the Heaven's Door, um, the Bob Dylan whiskey, you see the uh, gate...
1: Oh, wow. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. The, I forgot this, about it rescue. Well, we we uh, haven't. <laughs>
1: so, um, wait, I did have one other thing I wanted to share with you. Please. Some other insights. I have to look up the thing
0: up. about the lights because that's. I can't
1: remember. What it I was. got it right
2: here. It's on Vice.
1: Um, oh, yeah. It's by uh, this woman. She was, uh, yeah, she lives around in she, yeah. She pilgrimage to i tried to go see the lights this uh this winter but um the weather was really it was really rainy are,
0: are you in malibu often i my parents live there and I, I was there for months oh cool i was there oh, wow. recently no, and not often
1: but occasionally uh, my girlfriend's great aunt lives in uh, santa monica so oh very go, nice we go in yeah. there oh in fact he you know he has a secret uh coffee shop
0: Cinema, right. I, I did know that tidbit.
1: And and do you know about the uh, secret door and the secret coffee shop?
0: I don't know about that. That. Part. Well,
1: a friend of mine works at McCabe's, and uh, somebody walked came into McCabe's and was talking about the secret coffee shop. And uh, and his daughter had gotten a job at this coffee shop, and the and the day and when she's getting her her you know she's being trained, and. Um, and the, the manager was like, you know, oh, this is how you make a frappuccino or whatever, you know, and then, then they're like, oh, and by the way, there's a rumor that Bob Dylan owns this place. That's a complete myth. Anyway, here's the decaf, you know, this kind of thing. And so you just said it is as an aside. And then 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 the manager goes and see that door never open that door. No way. <laughs> so then one day he was gone. And. The door was slightly ajar, and she went over the door and opened it up. And inside was an Olympic sized boxing ring covered in leopard skin. <laughs> and apparently, it's where Bob Dylan and his pals
0: go box. I'd love to see Bob a, Box. Do you mean upholstered in leopard skin?
1: Yeah, every everything was in leopard
2: skin.
0: <laughs> My God,
2: we're gonna we're gonna have to do some uh, Jokerman um, investigation next time we're out there, Evan. I see you've and
0: got your brand new leopard skin Olympic, Olympic size boxing, boxing, boxing ring. Boxing ring.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys. I better go. Well, uh, like before you go, bef-
0: before you leave, Ian Sphinonius, we have to ask you something, which is: how many stars out of three do you give the album "Saved" oh. from 1980?
1: Well, I gotta say, I would, I, I, don't know. I mean, you know, if you're gonna judge it against Bob's of or against records in
0: general,
2: uh, that's the thing. The,
1: the three-star star system, system you get to
2: make yourself.
0: It means that you have to make that call.
1: Well I would say from the live renditions that I was watching today, I would say i would I could give that like a three. having seen Bob Dylan a lot and seeing the kind of passion and the just general rocking approach to this to the music, I would say a three. But if I'm gonna judge against his old, then I would maybe give it a one or a two. In that case,
0: 1.5. I'll give you one piece of advice. Uh, you know, you can't do half stars with the three star system. <laughs> and I personally prefer a holistic approach and, you know, going with your gut. So just, yeah. you know, say what you feel like off top.
1: Okay. I, well, I would say, you know what? Saved is a bold, it's just a bold statement as a for an artist. So I'm going to give it a two.
0: Very good. Ian,
1: but but it's not a three because you know then then you know you have to have somewhere to go for the great
2: ones. That's a good point. I gotta give uh, I gotta give it a one. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm inflating the the ratings because I've given uh, Blood on the Tracks a three, Desire a three, Budokan a three, and Slow Train a three. I gotta I gotta I gotta dip back down. What about hard, hard Rain? What do you guys give that? Hard Rain. I gave a one. That's, uh,
0: not, oh, that's not so
1: good. Uh, you I'd like that? that I give that. a three.
0: You like See, it? <laughs> Budokan.
2: Buda- Buda- that's the live record from the seventies. I've never heard. I've never heard of I highly recommend. If you like flutes, you're gonna love.
0: You Buda- like flutes. <laughs> you like reggae. Well,
1: what What's wrong with Hard Rain? It's incredible.
0: It's just like a. You gotta listen know, I, to I, the Hard Rain episode featuring Brian um, D'Addario. Right. Oh, uh, man,
2: I'm. I want to hear that. M- I'm more partial to the uh the the bootleg um uh, the fifth the, the fifth bootleg episode or record you know when they when they put out the other cuts from the other um uh the first leg of Rolling Thunder which has got all the uh all the classics Isis and um, Hurricane and stuff on it that's that's a better incarnation of Rolling Thunder to me Hard Rain was it, there's a couple interesting tracks but it's uh I don't know Ooh. Not all it could be. Anyway, saved. It's a one star for me. I'm,
3: I'm
0: going to have to... I mean, I know I've been giving a lot of these lately. Uh, I feel like... I, I'm kind of li- liberal with my usage of, of these sometimes. I have to give it a three star. Uh, the reason wow. being, not so much because I like this record very much, <laughs> but because... Uh, I genuinely believe that Bob Dylan believed in what he was doing at this point. And uh, I think that makes it almost a documentary style uh, relic. Like this has something essential to it. Uh, I guess I have to give it a three just because it's such a bold uh, and uncompromising move.
1: I I agree with you. I totally agree, but I can't give it a three because then you know what? Would you know, give
0: fair fair enough. Exactly. It's up to the listener to take these reviews. And- but I li-
1: but I like that the three the three. I think that's because I mean, you're right. It's a really bold statement. I mean, it's really. It's, and I agree with you. I think he, I think he was, I think he, it was, honest.
0: Feels authentic. Yeah. yeah. It's authentic,
1: and but you know the thing about honesty and authentic statements and all that stuff is, I feel like that's why bob retreated from you know the folk milieu partially is because this kind of or er, you know the earnest this kind of there's no room for any kind of play and mm-hmm. that's anathema to a gemini because as a gem as a gemini i can tell you that we really need to, to for things to be nuanced you need a little room to you know like
0: flexibility things,
1: yeah there has to be some kind of space and uh, yeah I mean it's part of the problem with the political climate right now is that it's very unnuanced.
0: it's constrictive what, for sure
1: well what that means is and what I mean by that is it, it it's it's a little artless you know like when you think about activism you know of another age you know you know it's like uh yeah I contain multitudes so like while yeah, women, Walt Whitman another Gemini
0: Wow, really! Yeah. I was just yeah. listening uh, to some uh, readings of Leaves of Grass, and it's it's so amazing. Oh, really? Um, an audiobook book, and uh,
1: the thing I love about Leaves of Grass is that he just kept writing it over and over. again.
0: Yeah, and it, I contain multitudes is right in there. Yeah. Bob, Bob, stealing yet again from his predecessor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Well, in uh. Ian Svenonius, I, I want to thank you very much for coming up upon the show. Oh, and yeah, it's my honor. It's been for us. It's been an honor. Well, thank you, guys. And yeah, so um, what... we 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 couldn't have asked for a, a more a, a, per, a, a better guest to talk about this with. Well, thanks. Um, well,
1: I, I have some other suggestions for other people.
0: Well, I would love to, might... to hear those because we, I, although I know
1: you're running out of
3: brackets.
0: No, we got plenty. No, we, we got, got plenty. plenty to go. As long as we, you've got, we don't
1: have people. anyone lined
2: up for the knocked out loaded episode or the oh, down yeah. in the or the down in the groove episode. And
1: once you get into the, the bootlegs, I mean, that's gonna go. Oh yeah, no, yeah, exactly.
0: We've got plenty to keep us busy. Um, and and I just want to also say that uh, Ian Spanonius's music is uh, fantastic uh, across the board, and and anyone you. listening should listen to. If you have anything coming out, or tell us what's next for uh, escapism.
1: It's going to be relaunched, but Christian,
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's great news.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, and actually we have a new record coming out, but it's we're holding off on it until you know the you know the the, the, the another season basically. Yeah. Because there's no way to play or do anything yep. right now. So.
0: It's a little so, artless at the moment. The culture, yeah,
1: yeah. It's a, it's the art. It's the it's it's censorship now. The name of my
0: yeah.
1: last book, yeah. There's cool. that, which was about about a people's censorship,
0: right? Go go read censorship now, dear listener. Censorship and- now, yeah.
1: It's it's mostly about you know the media situation, or rather the technological situation that we're all. Trapped, trapped it. in. But it's also, I, I think I talked about Bob Dylan in there. Maybe. You might get a mention. I'm sure he found his way in there. Anyway, yeah. hey, it's a pleasure, you guys. Uh, thank you. Let me know when you're back out in Malibu.
0: Oh, yeah, I for sure we, will.
1: We can go to the coffee shop.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> I would <laughs> love to. <laughs> Th- thanks a lot, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dan.